0: Hey everyone, my name is OJ Tucker, host of the OJ Tucker podcast, the only comedy tennis podcast that, that talks about our societal culture as a whole. My name is OJ Tucker, as the name would suggest. Happy Tuesday, hopefully you guys enjoyed your weekend, spending time with your family, or friends, watching a little bit of tennis along the way. There's a little bit of news that we can get into today in terms of news outside of tennis world. Obviously, the biggest news that dropped on Saturday night heading into Sunday uh, morning, or Sunday midnight, I would say. Saturday night, yeah, the biggest news, in my opinion, that dropped Saturday night, was easily Shane Gillis hosting SNL. Uh, Shane Gillis will be hosting SNL this week, alongside with musical guest 21 Savage. And the internet acted quite rational to the news. Uh, There was no no, uh, hatred whatsoever by any party, um, and they were very civil. And everyone really loved it. Uh, people adored it. I'm kidding. There were obviously people that were uh, mad at this, that were up in arms about the fact that Shane Gillis would host SNL. And I really want to discuss this uh, about Shane Gillis hosting SNL because I do think it's a great thing. I want to be very clear here. I'm, I'm very supportive of this. Shane Gillis is easily one of the funniest comics working today. And it's great that he's hosting. You know, it's been a pretty good week for Shane Gillis. You know, he's the new spokesperson for Bud Light, you know, replacing Dylan Mulvaney, and now he's hosting SNL. So it's been a great week for, for Shane Gillis. But there's been a lot of hatred on Shane Gillis on the fact that he's hosting SNL, which makes no sense to me. He is one of the biggest comics working today. I mean, if you see his two specials, they're absolutely hilarious. They got views. It, he has his own fan base that he's cultivated and, and, and crafted despite being fire from SNL, he was able to take his career by his own hands, create some great specials, have some great sketches alongside with Gillian Keeves, a great podcast with Matt McCusker. He's hilarious. He has a fan base as I mentioned before. Why wouldn't SNL have this? And a lot why wouldn't SNL have why why wouldn't SNL have him host their show? He's everything they want and more. He's able to write a monologue on his own without the help of any writer. So I really don't understand why there's so much hatred or 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 just hate in general against Shane Gillis when it comes to him hosting SNL. This is exactly what SNL, SNL needs right now, especially with two horrendous uh, weeks of, of episodes that they released with Io Edebiri and Dakota Johnson. This is exactly what they need. So again, I don't understand the, the, the rationale when it comes to hating on Shane Gillis for hosting SNL. This is exactly what they need. and. Again, I, I think for a lot of, obviously I'll discuss more later in the episode, uh, in this podcast, I'll discuss more about it because once I get into it, like I, I, I act very emotionally to things. But I think in a lot of ways, you know, when you see the average SNL fan sort of go up in arms about this and, and take their outrage to Twitter or, or to Reddit and say, oh my God, what will Bo and Yang think about this? I mean, I think Bo and Yang is quite cool with Shane Gillis. I mean, they follow each other online, so I don't think Bo and Yang is really crying over anything. But I mean, if he was, that's kind of sad. But overall, this is a great news. I love it. Um, and again, uh, uh, Twenty One Savage is the musical guest, you know, and he's a, he's confessed to murder in his songs. Now, do I believe he's actually murdered some people? I don't know. That's up for him to decide. But it is weird to see the outrage on who's on the show. You know, Shane Gillis made some jokes about Asian people that were deemed to be racist. I don't really find them to be that racist coming from an Asian person. I just thought of it as a guy that was trying to make people laugh, trying to fill time on his podcast. Um, But it is weird to see the outrage being to Shane Gillis and not to 21 Savage, who has confessed to murder in his songs. And by the way, I love 21 Savage. He's a great artist, right? I mean, his album that he released with Offset, still one of the best albums in the 2010s. A great album within the mumble rap genre. But again, I, I, don't, I don't... It I don't. It is weird to see the, the, the outrage and the misplaced outrage and where it is, you know? So uh, I'll... I'll Discuss more about Shane Gillis hosting SNL later in the podcast. Uh, I I will also discuss uh, the Grammys that happened yesterday. I didn't watch the Grammys yesterday because I was busy. um, And plus, I don't really watch award shows. I just don't. uh, Unless, like, Ricky Gervais hosts the Golden Globes, I just don't watch award shows because I just don't find them that interesting. But there were a few interesting moments that did happen at the Grammys. Uh, Killer Mike was arrested at the Grammys, which I thought was... uh, Quite sad, honestly. Uh, hilariously sad. I, mean, that, I think that's the be- best way to sort of put it. Um, Killer Mike won for his uh, rap album, Michael, which was not televised, by the way. I don't know why it was not televised. Um, but Killer Mike won for his uh, rap album, Michael uh, beating out people like Metro Boomin and Travis Scott um, Jay-Z also offered some thoughts as well after winning the dr. Dre achievement award, which I found was quite interesting as well and We can also discuss the Travis Scott performance within the Grammys as well as Taylor Swift announcing her new album Dead Poets Department after winning the album of the year uh, but first Let's get discuss. Let's discuss some tennis. So, if you guys don't know, Born at George play uh played. Oh, sorry, Born at played against Alexander Bublik at the Open Sud de Montpellier. Uh, hopefully, I'm saying that that right. I'm. Tr- I tried to add the French ting to it, the French accent to it, because it is important um but it is weird you know when, whenever i hear the french accent i don't know why but like it, it sounds like a gay pirate you know it really does like when i think about the french accent it sounds like it, it, it could come from that from from a gay pirate uh so you just have to i mean that's that's how you do well with the french accent you just have to sound like you're a gay pirate you know not that i have an experience in that but you just have to sound like that um so if you guys don't know Alexander Bublik won his second straight open Sud de Montpellier title against Borna Chorich, 7-5 2-6 6-3 um this was a very good match for Alexander Bublik I'm, I'm not going to be honest with you I'm, I'm not going to yeah I'm not going to be honest with you. this was a this was an amazing match for Alexander Bublik no I mean I'll, I'll be honest with you guys This was a great match for Alexander Bublik. He was down one set, uh, heading to the second set, and was able to get the next two uh, sets to win this title. And overall, amazing. This was a great effort by Alexander Bublik. He played with his back against the wall this entire run of this tournament. Uh, He lost the first set in each each match of this tournament and was still able to win each match match within this tournament i I think there's like a statistic somewhere that i can pull up right here saying alexander Bublik becomes the first man to win an atp title after losing the first set in every match played from the start of the tournament bold history for Bublik, and i think there was like a kazakhstan uh map hopefully it's a kazakhstan map i don't know what it was but it there was like an emoji of the map uh at the end and that's from the tennis letter so uh he is the first person uh, to win an ATB five to ATB title after losing the first set in each match. Again, this is an ATB 250 title. So the competition, the level of competition in this ma- in this tournament is not that is not that many. I mean the, the the level of competition is not that high. I think that's the best way I can say it. Um, but still the fact that he was able to come back from one set down and still win the match two sets to one shows you just how committed Alexander Bublick is in these scenarios, and in these instances. I know it's far and few between, and yes, he's lost quite a bit since then. But when he's in that moment, when he's in that zone, it's really hard to ride off of him. It's very difficult to steer away from that. Because when you're playing against Alexander Bublick, especially at this tournament, you will face issues, just like Sasha Serov did last year. Um, before I get into the match which i did watch but i didn't extensively cover as much as say my previous matches that i discussed not not as much as say the australian open final that i discussed last week uh but when you watch this final and when you watch this entire tournament in general the one thing that i really did enjoy about it was that there's like this pink outer coating of the tennis of the tennis court with the tennis court being blue and that was just a very interesting sort of color palette that they chose um I just liked the the visuals of the court when I saw it on television. I just thought it was great. Um, So anyways, let's get into that first set, shall we? So Chorich, to his credit, did quite well in that first set. He had some great digs, covered all parts of the court, uh, was able to establish aggression early and often by coming up to the net. And he was able to get Bublik off of his game and was able to one up on him when it came to being the more aggressive player on the court, which we would later see Bublik do in the second and third set. Um, You know, I mean, Bublik overall did well in this first set. I mean, it was 7 5, so it was quite close, but he was the first to break to to make it 2 love. But George would be able to come back in the first to make it 4 all. you know, uh, Chorich came back from 1-4, 15-40 to take that first set, 7-5. And overall, that shows you the willingness to win by Borna Chorich. Um, now, again, as I mentioned before, this is an ATB 250 event. This is not a final for a major. This is not even an ATB 1000 tourney. This is an ATB 250 event. This The level of stakes are different. You know, the level of competition is vastly different. So... Do I think Chorch would have done this against Medvedev or a Sinner or an Alcaraz? No, absolutely not. But I do think in this instance, he was able to take that first set against Bublik and all the credit to him for doing that. Uh, The fact that he was able to still be within that headspace to take that first set despite being down 1-4 overall shows you just how he was able to stay with it despite the odds being against him. And... That's something that you really want to see as a tennis player, you know, as a, I mean, as a tennis fan, you know, as a tennis fan, you want to be able to see uh, tennis players be able to be in the right headspace and just do everything in their power to make sure that they're able to, to go for, just, just to go for with the, the, the ability to win, you know, I, I think that that is something that, that should be of concern or not concern, but it's something that should be of note. And if, he, there, if he's able, if any tennis player is able to do that, then all the power to him. And I think Troy is able to do that in the first set. Now, heading to the second set, Bublik um, would then be able to regain his composure and start off that second set by taking control of the long rallies within that set. He was able to uh, take care of the pace, uh, making Chorch make errors, loads of errors, loads of unforced errors. And overall, that swung the momentum for Bublik. And we saw that time and time again throughout the entirety of his run at Open Sud de Montpellier, uh, whether it was him against Shepovalov or him against FAA. You know, he's been able to come back from one set and take the entirety of that match because of the of the mistakes given by their opponent or by his opponent and overall that second set was mostly in Bublik's direction and he was able to take care of it um he was able to make chorich uh make mistakes especially at the net uh there was a half volley that Chorich could have easily been able to execute uh and he would be able to break first in that second set um 3-1 Three one because of that missed volley, and had George been able to make that volley, who knows? It could have been a two two all game, and it could have been that set could have easily gone to George's way if he was able to execute on that half volley. But he just wasn't able to, and because of that, Bobek was able to take that break first in that second set to make it three one. And then later on in in the, in the match, or later on in that set, um, Bobek would then take the set again. Uh, off of the, another missed half volley by Torch, and as a result, Bublik was able to take that second set in a very commanding way to make it six-two. Um, so overall, that that was just great for Bublik. You know, he was able to set up aggression, set up the ability to go into a deciding set, and overall, all the power to him. I mean, that, that shows you the willingness to win by Bublik and his focus on making sure that his opponent can make mistakes at that high of level. And the fact that he's able to take that second set shows you that he still has a, a, a little bit of gas in the tank, you know. Now, obviously, it may be different in an ATP 500 event, you know, uh, or an ATP 1000 event. You know, there, this may not have happened during those bigger tournaments. But again, you got to give credit where credit is due. So, congrats on him for winning that second set. And then going into that third set, it was more or less the same as that second set. You know, we saw time and time again, Torch making simple, simple mistakes, Uh, Bublik taking uh, control of all areas of the court, you know, having some great overheads. There's like this one overhead in particular that was just amazing to see, Uh, some amazing passing shots as well just great i mean i mean Bublik really didn't have that much of a misstep in this in this set uh, besides two or three games but besides that it was mostly in Bublik's direction uh Bublik broke, broke first on an amazing overhead to make it two love um later on in this match uh public had this amazing passing passing shot after getting torched with a dropper that just skidded right past him uh to make it 15 all five three in the deciding set and that that passing shot was just absolutely amazing. Just seeing it on, on screen, and just seeing that ball just have this level of curve to it that I've never really seen before by that many players. Um, I, I mean, would you call it a banana shot? Probably. I don't know. Um, is it as elegant as say, like a Nadal, you know, banana shot? Probably not. But still, seeing that happen in real time was just a thing of beauty. That shot in particular was just amazing. Um, anyways, uh, going back into the, into the, into this match, uh, returns served by Torch went wide as Bublik took the third to make it 6-3 and he wins his second straight Montpellier title. And as I mentioned before, uh, Alexander Bublik becomes the first man to win an ATP title after losing the first set and every match played from the start of the tournament. Um, yeah, overall, this was a great match for Bublik and a great tournament for Bublik. Now, do I think that he'll continue this dominance in bigger tournaments? No, I don't. I do not think so. I think that this was a one-off instance. I think that this is... We've seen that last year as well, where he won the Montpellier title and didn't really do that much afterwards. And I think that this is just... a return to the norm for him. I really do think so. And when I say norm, I mean mediocrity. This is just a return to mediocrity for him. And yeah, I mean, obviously, if you're a public fan, you may not want to hear that. I do like Bublick as well. I think he's very captivating to watch. But at the same time... I got to be honest, you know, I have to be honest. And when you see the parity within tennis grow bigger and bigger, you know, when you see the likes of Alcaraz and Sinner and Medvedev in the mix, as well as individuals that have done well at the AT1000 tournaments before, whether it's VAR or Tsitsipas, you know, it's difficult for me to put my eggs in the basket of public. It just is. Um, so again, no, no disrespect To Bublick, obviously, he's a great player, and we saw that in this tournament, right? The fact that he's able to come back one set down and win the next two sets afterwards in each and every match that he played showed his willingness to win, his, his, his ability to compose himself, not buckle to the pressure, but surpass that pressure and survive on that pressure and thrive on that pressure. But again, if you think that you're going to see more of this happen down the road, I mean, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I am wrong in this instance, you know, because I would love to see Bublik play in bigger tournaments. You know, if there's any, if there's ever a moment where I feel like I want to be wrong on something, it's this moment right now. I hope I am wrong. I want to be proven wrong by Alexander Bublik. But history has shown that it can repeat itself based off of the lack of, based off the lack of the willingness to perform well in bigger tournaments and i feel like bublick is one of those players who does well in these smaller tournaments but when it comes to the bigger moments when it comes to the when it comes to the moments that define a man's career i don't feel as if bublick has it and i want to be proven wrong i want to i want to make sure that i get on this podcast again later in the year where he wins an 81,000 tournament whether it's a you know, Monte Carlo or, you know, the Paribas Masters or whatever it may be. I want to be proven wrong, you know. So if Alexander Bubba can do that, if Alexander Bubba is watching this, I don't know if he is, probably not. But if he is, I want to be proven wrong here. So please prove me wrong. Like I'm begging you because I don't want to see the same thing happen this year like you did last year. You know, I don't want to see the same results as last year but just done in this year's format. I want to see wins, and I want to make sure that he, that Bublik is able to win in bigger and more grander stages out there. So hopefully I'm proven wrong um, because, again, it, it just stinks when you see players that you know that can generate buzz and excitement, lose. And I feel as if Bublik is one of those players that can exhibit that and can allow individuals to really enjoy watching tennis. And, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, that is where I will sort of leave it off at that. Um, so, um, yeah, that, that's about it for Tennis News. Uh, also, congrats to Helena Ostapenko for um, for uh, winning uh, her tournament as well this past week as well. Uh, so, yeah, congrats to Ostapenko. Congrats to Bublik. And that's about it for the Tennis News for today um so yeah let's move on to things outside of tennis world obviously i think the bigger news story uh happened yesterday at the grammys obviously the biggest news story was shangos hosting snl which we will get to uh later on in the podcast but also uh another thing that was also of note and of interest uh was the grammys that happened yesterday of course i did not watch the grammys yesterday so i don't know i don't know who won for every category it's been so long since i watched an actual award show in fact i don't think i actually ever watched an award show as it was occurring live like i'll be very honest with you here like i don't think i've ever watched because again it, it lasts for two three hours right I don't want to see already rich people who don't really need the awards to also win more awards as a result of it i just don't need to do that I, it's it doesn't it it's not something that piques my interest i think it's antithetical to what makes art so great to begin with you know i mean imagine like a stand-up comedy award show imagine like imagine somebody doing that where it was like best joke or or best you know premise or or best type five you know and, and it's just like uh i was gonna make it like uh I don't, I don't know i mean i was i was gonna make a joke about it about like uh you know something sexual about you know comedian but n- you know what i mean like imagine like if, if there was like a stand-up comedy award show that was like televised on comedy central or on don't tell or on like Rogan's podcast. Like, do you know how cringe that would be to see like stand up comedians accept awards and be like, oh my god, I couldn't do it with I couldn't do this with my without my running staff. I couldn't do this without, you know, Ted Sarandos at Netflix. Like, imagine a stand up comedy award show and how cringe that would be. Now times that by a hundred and make it music. That's what the Grammys is. It's that cringe. It's it's that, you know, off putting but there were moments in it where I'm like, okay, That's kind of interesting. And one of them is Killer Mike winning for Rap Album of the Year for Michael. Uh, This award was not shown on TV, and it was purely on the web. But the fact that he's able to win it was amazing. Um, Do I think Michael is a great album? I did not listen to Michael. So I don't know. (laughs) I did not listen to Michael. But I do know Killer Mike is a really good rapper. Uh, He's very intelligent when it comes to politics. Um, He's not an individual that will just simply be a toady for either party. He offers really good instincts on politics and and offers a lot of great political wisdom when it comes to certain issues and hop on topics in regards to politics. I mean, he recently sat down with Bill Maher on his show. And again, I'm not a fan of Bill Maher's show at all. I think it's horrendous. I mean, I was a fan of his back in high school, but I was a dumb high schooler back in the day, Uh, not saying I'm not a dumb person now but i was a high schooler back then and as a high schooler i used to love bill Maher's show. uh but as i've grown older i'm like okay this is kind of boring like this is kind of too much especially for a friday night you know especially on a friday night heading into a saturday morning where i'm like okay i don't really want to th- think about politics on a saturday morning i just don't you know and, and there's certain things that bill maher does where you're just like ticked off like especially during his monologue where he'll just like look into the camera and just like sort of like pause for a second to get the audience to clap or for the audience to laugh you're just like what you know he'll just be talking about like immigration be like immigration is crazy and radical islamic terrorism is destroying the west and if you don't believe in that you're gay okay i mean obviously he does it in a more sophisticated way than i do it and and I would like to think of it less funny than I do it. Uh, but it was sort of pause at like weird times to like get an effect. I'm like, okay, this is just too much for me. And just the constant like interruptions by the audience for, of them just like clapping like monkeys on stage uh, is, is just off-putting to me. Uh, but Killer Mike sat down with Bill Maher and he really gave some great thoughts about the political system in general and how he's not really supporting Biden, but just supporting certain policies that either I, president won't make in office and how... The people should ask for the same things as well. And overall, I thought that was great. And to see, you know, art, uh, music artists say that, it wasn't I don't know why I'm getting choked up here. I'm, I'm choking up on my own spit. I mean, it, it's not me being choked up over a killer mic saying that, by the way. <laughs> Imagine if I just was like, I'm, I'm choking over my own spit here. I'm, I'm not choking up over what he's saying, but over my own spit. Uh, it's a one-man machine here. My apologies. Uh, but overall um killer mike won from michael and uh he said the following in the speech um you cannot tell me that you get too old you can't tell me it's too late you can't tell me uh dreams you cannot tell me dreams come true it is a sweep it is a sweep it is a sweep uh he exclaimed after he danced around the stage with the third grammy of the night and that was from cbs news um he will later get arrested um uh after because apparently he was involved in an altercation. There was this hilarious tweet, by the way, uh, where it said, where it was like uh, Travis out when he found out that Killer Mike won the Grammys. And it was just like this video of somebody saying, somebody call the police, somebody call the police, the police. Hello, the police. Uh, that tweet was hilarious. I, I don't know why, but it, it made me chuckle. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, is this the best album to win for rap album of the year? No. No. Um, is this on par with say Malcolm Moore, uh, winning for the heist? No, of course not. I mean, again, I did not listen to Michael. I I did not listen to the album, but Keller Mike is a great rapper and his stuff with Run Run the Jewels will be within the pantheon of great albums to ever be released. And honestly, one of the best rap duos to ever be in, in the mix of hip hop. I really do believe so uh him and lp do amazing work uh they've done soundtracks to multiple movies i'm pretty sure i think they did it for uh uh venom i'm pretty sure uh the same movie in which eminem also released his song for venom which is a really bad song by the way um i'm pretty sure it was for venom and it may be for a different mcu movie or, or a different marvel movie but um Overall, I mean, I, I think it's well-deserved. I mean, is this the award? Is this the album that he should have won an award for? I don't know. I did not listen to the album. A lot of people say no. Uh, but I do think that in a lot of ways, this was his version of Leo DiCaprio winning for Revenant, uh, where it, Revenant was clearly not his best movie that he's made, but it was deserving of him to win an award at some point or another. And in my in my view, this was that, but in rap. Um Travis Scott also performed at the Grammys alongside Playboy Cardi as they did Fiend. And at one point, uh, I think Travis Scott said something along along the lines of saying, I should have won it 10 times or I had 10 opportunities or something along the lines of that when he was like doing the chorus of Fiend. And, um, I mean, he is right in, 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 in certain regards. Obviously, I think World is his uh, best album to date Um you know, his his recent album was also really good. You know, Utopia is a really good album. Uh, I still listen to that al- album fairly uh, fairly afterwards, after its release. You know, it, it's, it's still within my playlist here and there. I mean, there's a lot of great songs on that. Uh, Sirens is a great song. Um, you know, Fiend, obviously a great song. If, if you're a fan of Travis Scott, and if you've been to his concert, you know that he just endlessly plays Fiend on loop. To him, it's his N-words in Paris, but not as good of a song as say n-words in paris i still prefer n-words in paris naysayers in paris uh <laughs> as as the as um the college game day crew would say um as reese davis as reese davis would say um but yeah overall this was i i think killer mike should have won the U- i mean i think killer mike should have won a grammy i don't know if it should have been for this album because i did not listen to michael so i don't know whether or not he should have won for this award but overall good on him for winning uh Z also uh, offered some words as well because he won the award for the dr j achievement award he mentioned the fact that you know will smith boycotted the grammys by not attending because they didn't nominate certain musicians and instead of going to the grammys they just watched it him and DJ Jazzy Jeff just watched it on their television which he said so much for a boycott and then he himself also boycotted the Grammys because DMX was not nominated in that same category so he just watched it on television which he said was also some form of a boycott you know sort of making fun of himself as well being self-deprecating about it but uh, JC also uh, acknowledged the fact that Beyonce didn't win album of the year which again I'm not I've yet to really listen to a Beyonce album in its entirety. So I don't know. I really don't know as, as whether or not she should have won. Uh, but Hey, I mean, if Jay-Z is saying it, then it must be true, you know, cause I do like Jay-Z a lot. Uh, black album is still one of the, my favorite albums within the hip hop genre. You know, it, it's still a great album. You know, the black album is amazing. Um, Dirt off your shoulder, still a bop 20 years afterwards, after its release. Um, but yeah um he also was up on stage talked about it uh there was one point where he said um (laughs) some of you are going to go home tonight and feel like you've been robbed some of you may get robbed he said some of you don't even belong in this category uh which i thought was hilarious to say at the grammys It was just like and then he said uh yeah uh, at one point where he's like you know uh none of this is written down when I'm telling the truth or something along the lines of that, which I thought was a bar as well. Um, Overall, Jay-Z at the Grammy's cool as well. I mean, even at his age, the fact that he's still able to offer that insight and still joke like that, I think that's hilarious. And it shows you why he's still one of the best to do it. You know, I mean, if you see his Fate to Black documentary, uh, I think Rick Rubin at one point said that It just comes off the dome. Like he doesn't even write down his lyrics when he's in the studio. It just comes off straight from from his mind. And and the fact that he's able to do it over beats that he didn't even think of rapping over is mind-boggling to say the least. It is absolutely impressive. Um, you know, that's why I don't really understand why people are so like down and out on Jay Z because I'm like, he's still one of the best rappers to do it. I mean, obviously, he's matured in age, and that's great. I mean, you, when you age and mature, you also want to make sure that the albums you release also mature as a result of it. Um, but he's still a great rapper. I mean, 444 is still a great album. Uh, Magna Carta Holy Girl, yes, there are some stinkers on that album, but that opening track of him and Justin Timberlake with Justin Timberlake on that chorus. And Jay Z just coming in that fir- that first verse of Jay Z on that on that song, is amazing. Like go listen to that song right now, Magna on like Holy Grail. That song, that first verse is just absolute killer. Just like great lines back and f- just like just just that entire verse in general is just artistry at its best. It's just Jay Z at his best, you know. And even that not Nirvana. At at one particular point in that verse Just made it all the more better In my opinion Um, But yeah, that was also really good as well And then Taylor Swift uh, Announced Her new album Titled Dead Poets Department After winning Album of the Year uh, Which many people in the audience Were not really that thrilled about I mean, you saw shots to Olivia Rodrigo Who was just like Trying to force a smile And Ed Sheeran was just like, okay, cool um but yeah congrats taylor swift on that she's now the winningest artist or she ties stevie wonder i think for the winningest artist in in the grammys which i mean i prefer stevie wonder i'm not gonna lie i mean i I do i i prefer stevie wonder uh songs to the key of life is a great album that has a lot of replay value um yeah I, i just prefer stevie wonder over taylor swift but still taylor swift is a great artist you know i mean it's hard to not say that you know i mean it's hard to be like, oh, I'm too cool for school, and I'm going to say Taylor Swift sucks. You know, it's easy to do that, right? It's easy to be, you know, a hipster and, and say that, but you can deny. I mean, she's, I mean, this is like the, she's, she's on her Jordan run right now, you know? <laughs> like I know people might find that to be cringe, but I do think that she is the Michael Jordan music of pop music right now. And it's hard to deny it. It's hard to deny it. So congrats to Taylor Swift on, on the win as well. Not that she needs the congratulations, but not that my congratulations means anything. Because again, have you seen my podcast? Have you seen the views on this podcast? It's it's not doing well. Um, but congrats to her on the win. Anyways, that's it for the Grammys. Let me know your comments down below on that. And without no further ado, let's get into the meat and potatoes of this podcast. The, one, the, the reason why all of you are here. And that is Shane Gillis is hosting SNL this week. This was announced on their Twitter account on Saturday night as well as live on air on Saturday night live when Io Beery was hosting. Um, and amazing. It's great. I love it. This is amazing. Shane Gillis is hosting SNL this week alongside musical guest 21 Savage. Not this week. It's next show. February 24th. Not, ne- not this week. So there's going to be a lot of people that are online that will be very shocked to hear that. That it's not this week because I thought it was this week. I thought it was this week. It's not this week. It's February twenty fourth, but still great in and of itself. I just caught that by the way. So if you think Shane Gillis is hosting this week, he's not. He's hosting February twenty fourth. I'm sure some people already know that, but still amazing. I love it. It's great. And honestly, um, this was this was great. I, I think that this is the bright move for Shane Gillis, for him to host, and I'm very excited to see Shane Gillis host, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, A lot of people are giving SNL, in particular, Lorne Michaels credit for allowing Shane Gillis to host. And for me personally, I think more of that should be given to Shane Gillis. More credit should be given to Shane Gillis than SNL. Because when SNL fired him, I mean, no one thought that he could amount to this. Like no, No one in particular, no one from the SNL world thought that he could ever get to that point or get to this point where he's hosting SNL. Now, people that are fans of Shane Gillis knew that. I mean, I, I knew him from the bonfire days. You know, that I, I go that far with Shane Gillis, right? Um, you know, I saw him on, on Realized Podcast with him and Luis J. Gomez and him on Skanks. So I, I've known about Shane Gillis even before then. Um, but people are giving too much credit to SNL for allowing, ho- for allowing Shane Gillis to host. And honestly, I feel like more credit should be given to Shane. Because the controversy in terms of his cancellation attempt could have affected him mentally, spiritually, psychologically. But the fact that he was able to release two great specials, the fact that he was able to continue doing great work with Gillian Keeves and still have an amazing podcast with Matt McCusker and have this dedicated and devoted fan base that truly enjoy what he's doing to the point where now he's actually hosting SNL. That in and of it itself is a is an accomplishment, and I feel like more credit should be given to Shane for hosting SNL than SNL allowing Shane Gillis to host. Um, yeah, I mean that that's what I got to say about that. Um, SNL for the past two weeks have been has been quite bad. I'm not gonna lie. SNL for the, I'm not saying that as, as a fan of SNL because obviously uh, I'm in and out when it comes to SNL. Like there are certain times where I will watch SNL. There are certain times where I won't watch an SNL. For the new year, I'm like, okay, I'll just watch the last two episodes. And honestly, they were quite bad. I'm not going to lie. These past two episodes have been quite bad. Justin Timberlake, I actually thought, it did a pretty good job as a musical guest. But Dakota Johnson, I mean, someone's got to tell her that she can't act to save her life. Because she is horrendous. She can't, she doesn't, she doesn't bring it in terms of acting. She doesn't bring it in terms of comedic acting. I don't feel like there's a, a funny bone in her body. I feel like, you know talk like having a conversation with dakota johnson is like i mean it's like i feel like it's just vapid and there's just nothing to it there's no substance to it you know if it's it's there's just nothing to it I, i don't know why certain sects of the internet certain parts of the internet are so infatuated with her it just makes no sense to me like usually like the internet goes after nepple babies and people that they find to only be in their place due to nepotism and to me like when i think about a person who's only there due to nepotism i i think of dakota johnson i think of her you know i think of an individual who is just so flat and so mediocre in everything that she does where i'm like how is this acceptable like how 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 are people so okay with the idea of her I, it just makes no sense to me I, it just doesn't make any sense to me and even this last week for snl has been pretty bad i mean the weekend update was good michael che did a great job as as the weekend update host for this past week i mean give credit where credit is due i know people like to make fun of snl for it being unfunny and whatnot i i mean there are parts where it, where it is funny and i think on average weekend update exceeds my expectations and i think part of it is because of michael j. and michael j does a really good job at just telling jokes for what they are and not letting people get mad at or for not letting people's opinions of it get to him. uh that i mean that pizza hut joke that he had with the um there there was that pizza hut joke where he was saying that pizza hut has seen like a uh, increase in unforeseen circumcisions because they misspelled it instead of saying circumstances it was circumcisions. And he said it was obviously a misprint because Pizza Hut loves extra topics. Good joke. I mean, for what it was, I mean, obviously I butchered the timing of it, but it's a great joke. And he had several of those jokes on Weekend Update. So credit where credit is due. Michael Trey, I think, does a really good job with, he, with he, Weekend Update. But overall, that last episode with Iowa Dabiri, oh my God, like I was... I was in shock. I, I mean, I thought Ayo Beery was, like, the second coming of, like, Tilda Swinton. Like, based on what the internet was telling me. You know, I thought she was, like, the second coming of, like, uh, 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 like Kirsten Wig or, 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 you know, or, or um, Amy Poehler or Tina Fey. The way that, like, people online were saying it. Like, they were saying so glowingly about the episode. I'm like, how? Like, how was this episode good in any way, shape, or form? In the cold open, they had Nikki Haley in the cold open and one of the jokes in regards to Nikki Haley was saying how like she was in favor of slavery or whatnot i mean it was a horrendous joke i mean and i'm no no fan of nikki haley like i really am not but when i saw it i was like oh my god i kind of feel bad for my for my punjabi princess right here like i really do feel bad for her uh not really cuz she is a zionist and um, she is not I mean she is a warmonger and a neocon and uh, is basically just George Bush put in in, in brownface. Um, but when I saw that cold open, I'm like, who okayed this? Like, who who okayed this? Um, it, it just made no sense to me. Um, so the fact that Shane Gillis is hosting SNL is great, you know? And I know people like to go after SNL, right? I understand all that. But for what it is, I mean, you have to give SNL credit where credit is due. It is the run... It is... It is the the biggest running show in terms of sketch comedy there is in American television history. And yeah, there are times where, where there are stinkers. That last episode with Iowa DeBerry was a stinker. Like, let's call a spade a spade here. It is a stinker. But again, it's still owned by MC Universal. It's still owned by Comcast. So the fact that Lauren Michaels allowed this to happen, that's awesome. It's great. And I'm excited to see it. And to the amount of people that are mad or pissed or offended that Shane Ghost is hosting it or are boycotting it or you know or writing mean tweets to you know NBC snl or whatever it may be or leaving bad comments on snl's instagram page because obviously as we all know snl's demographic is not shane gillis's demographic right snl the average person that watches snl is probably some you know jewish lady from brooklyn um i'm not i'm i I don't want to generalize here so i'll just say lady in brooklyn who is in her 20s or 30s who, you know, thinks, you know, a drum joke is still good in the year 2024. Uh, who's probably into SSRIs, probably talks a lot about therapy, and uh, probably thinks she's the funniest person in her office, you know, despite just working as, like, a person that just, like, sends out emails. You know, I mean, that's probably what the average, I assume, demog- demo is for SNL. Um, so... Will they like Shane Gillis? Probably, probably not. I mean, Shane Gillis is probably not for them. I mean, obviously, he is for me because I love Shane Gillis. He's great. Um, but it is weird when I see people get mad at Shane Gillis for hosting SNL. Because, again, the musical guest is 21 Savage. And if you don't know 21 Savage, like he is... He goes there with his music. Like, there are times where he will confess to murder in his music. There are times where, you know, he will, you know, be more braggadocious or, you know, things in which that I find are off-putting for anyone, you know? I mean, there are times where you'll, you'll say that he outright murdered somebody in his music, you know? So, if you're mad at Shane Gillis for hosting SNL, but not mad at 21 Savage for being the musical guest... Then where does your responsibilities lie then? You know, and I say this, I say this as a guy who's a fan of Twenty One Savage's music. I like Twenty One Savage. I didn't listen to his recent album, so I I, I don't I, I can't tell you about that thing. But I liked his album with Offset. I thought Without Warning was a great album. It's still a great album. You know, Darth Vader, great song. Uh, you know, Ric Flair, Drip, great song. You know, uh, I like Twenty One Savage. But again, um. I, I just find the, the the misplaced outrage to be interesting to say the least. Um so yeah, overall I'm excited to see what's to come uh for for Shane Gillis and and yeah, this is this is good. This this is great. Um I think at one point on his podcast for Madden secret Podcast, there was like a recent clip that resurfaced where he said if he ever hosted SNO and this is his worst, he would commit a Bud Dwyer where he would say, live from my mouth, it's this gun, and just like commit suicide on stage if he was doing the monologue, which I think is hilarious. I don't know if Shane Gillis would actually do that, probably not. Um, But I think the most hilarious outcome would be, would just be saying neuters over and over again, or or just mentioning neuters at some point, being like, all right guys, we'll be right back, and then just start chowing down on some noodles. You know, that'd be hilarious. Maybe have like a sketch where Shane Gillis goes to Chinatown. I think that would also be funny where him and Bo and Yang go to Chinatown and, and Shane Gillis is doing everything in his power to like not be, not to, not to be like racist or anything like that. Again, it, I'm not saying Shane Gillis is racist. I'm not saying, that. I'm just saying that that would be funny in that sketch where him, like they got to do something with Bo and Yang and Shane Gillis. If they don't do that, that is a missed opportunity. They got to do something along the lines with both of those two because that would be the most hilarious sketch that SNL will release, you know. So, yeah, overall, I am excited to see what's to come for Shane Gillis. Um, And, yeah, I mean, it's good. It's good. This is good. This is a good thing. And people may disagree with me for saying this, but Shane Gillis is doing SNL a favor, not the other way around. All right. The fact that Shane Gillis is hosting SNL... That is him doing a favor to SNL. He doesn't have to do it. He does not have to do it, right? He's touring. He's selling out theaters. He's, I mean, have you seen his Instagram lately? It's like hundreds of thousands of likes and honestly, well-deserved, right? He's a hilarious guy. Shane Gillis is doing SNL a favor for this and he doesn't need this. You know, Shane Gillis will will still be successful even if he wasn't able to host SNL you know, but any, if anything, this shows you that SNL did fuck up. That's what this shows you. That is what this was a confirmation on. SNL fucked up. And his recent specials suggest that Beautiful Dogs, still a great special. Live in Austin, honestly, my favorite special of his. Uh, I'm not saying Beautiful Dogs is not a good special. I'm just saying that I prefer Live in Austin more. Um, Gillian Keeves, amazing. I mean, that Trump has Hitler sketch, amazing. I mean, if they don't allow Gillis to do, trump then they're missing out they really are i mean i'm that's already in the cards for snl right they they, they should know that they should that they should have gillis do trump on snl uh because he's that great but again him on him doing trump as hitler amazing um yeah i, I mean this is great i mean i, I for one am, am, am very very excited to see it and there's been a lot of discussion, and I sort of want to like wrap this, maybe wrap this combo up, um, by by saying this. You know, there's been a lot of discussions about like, oh, Shane Gillis is a conservative comic, or Shane Gillis is the anti-liberal comic. I mean, I I, I just I mean, people are always like putting out their political th- thoughts into Shane Gillis's brain, and a lot of people on both sides of the aisle are trying to like co-opt him to be in in their space or. To, to, to align him with their political ideology. And I think that that in and of itself is a wrong thing to do. I mean, I think when I look at Shane Gilles, I don't view him as a conservative comedian. I don't view him as a liberal comedian. I just view him as a funny comedian and a guy that operates on the idea and on the basis of what is the funniest joke to go for. And I, I think for a lot of individuals, they just have a rough time wrapping their head around that. And... I don't know. I, I just think that the constant culture war in terms of, you know, aligning a certain comedian with a certain political base, I think that that trend needs to stop. I think we need to stop trying to politicize comedy and trying to stop politicizing comedians to fit certain pol- 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 uh political beliefs into them like I think that that is a wrong thing to do I think at the end of the day it's completely fine for a comedian to just tell his jokes like they are and let people digest it in any way shape or form that they want to digest digest it in I'm, I'm sorry for for uh, stumbling over my own words here I have dementia but I, I think in a lot of ways you know there needs to be some form of of just allowing comedians to tell the jokes that they, that they truly want to tell on stage without trying to politicize it. You know, I think that this whole sort of this whole and this is somewhat attached to the, the Bud Light thing where Shangos is now a spokesperson for for Bud Light, all the power to him. That's great. Um but you saw that and you saw Fox News saying, "Oh my god, they got a conservative comedian to now host for uh, not not to host, but they got a conservative comedian to now be a, a spokesperson for bud light after their own free fiasco and it's like do we really need to politicize this like do we really need to I mean, chingles is not a conservative comedian there's a lot of liberal things that he says right he's not a conservative comedian he's not a liberal comedian he's just a comedian just accept that accept him for the way he is you know but anyways, I think that's it for the podcast for today. <laughs> um, I know I went off the deep end with that. But overall, um, I, I don't regret it. Um, you know, this was a good move for SNL. I think this uh, signals a turning the tide. Hopefully, they'll have more funny comedians hosting SNL. You know, if this can sort of parlay into Tim Dillon hosting SNL or, say, um, you know, Mark Norman hosting SNL, then all the power to them. Um because I do think that they have a sizable fan base that will enjoy it and can move the pulse in terms of viewership and, and getting people to watch it. Um, you know, I, I think that this is good. Um, Lauren Michaels, I, I mean... Yes, there have been things that he hasn't done that well, and I'm sure he would also admit that as well, but this is not one of them. This is a great news. This is a great sight to behold, Um, and I'm looking forward to February 24th. I really am. Uh, It's two weeks from today, so that, that should give them ample enough time to deliver one of the best SNL shows that they've had in decades. I truly do believe in that, so congrats to Shane Gillis on hosting SNL to 21 savage i'm being the musical guest you know also a really good r- rapper and um yes as i said before this is shane doing snl a favor not the other way around i think that that is also very important to say um because again shane does not need this he does not need this he's doing well as it is he's already hosting at he, he's already selling out shows all over the world all over the united states all over the world doing theaters soon to do arenas i mean I don't know if he wants to do arenas because I do feel as if comedy changes when you do arenas as opposed to doing uh, theaters. But if he wants to do arenas, I don't begrudge him for doing that. So overall, those are my thoughts on Shane Goe's hosting us now. Uh, I don't don't really have a weekly pick. I don't really have a weekly pick. I did see Tate McRae's performance at the NHL All-Star game. So maybe Tate McRae is my weekly pick. I don't know. Uh, I do like her. Um, But... Maybe that's my weekly pick. I don't know. Uh, That guitar solo at the end of Greedy, one of her songs, is amazing in the live performance, that is. Uh, So probably that. Maybe that's my weekly pick. I don't really have a weekly pick for you guys today, so I'm sorry about that. But guys, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you guys like, subscribe, and click the bell icon for notifications down below. Make sure you uh, follow me on my Twitter, my Instagram, my TikTok. Make sure you rate a review on my Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you can, um, spread it through your word of mouth. Get more and more people involved in this this podcast. To get more more people talking about this podcast would be a great sight to see. I don't really know what I will discuss in the next uh, podcast episode. I really don't know. So tune in, t- tune in until then. But other, th- other than that, guys, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you guys on Thursday. And uh, we'll talk more about things that are happening in our political, uh, more so societal realm because I'm somewhat ditching the political aspects of this podcast. If... It is a big story than probably political, but I don't really want to talk about politics on this podcast anymore. I just don't. Like, I just don't have that much interest in doing that. So we'll talk more about things that are happening in the societal realm of this podcast, as well as things that are happening in the tennis world of this podcast, all right? So that's about it, guys. Thanks so much for watching. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you guys on Thursday. All right, guys. Peace. See y'all.